Welcome to the Physio Mentor Program, a program designed for physiotherapy private practice owners wanting and needing to outsource the training of graduates within their business. Our mission is to create private practices that you would have wanted to start a career in. Hi everyone, welcome to Physio Mentor, Melissa Salmond here. Today we're going to talk about nine points that must be answered in an initial consultation. First impressions for your patient is everything to build rapport and also build their trust that they can be rest assured they're in the right place and they will continue management with you. If that first opportunity and first encounter with you is not what they're looking for, then they will go shopping elsewhere and find someone who meets their criteria. And these days, I think in healthcare, people are more aware of their health, they're more aware of what they should be getting and they've done a lot of research on the internet before they even get to us, so their expectations are a lot higher. So if we're not meeting expectations, then essentially we're losing business, we're losing customers and losing our patients. So let's talk about the top nine points and these things must be answered in the initial consultation. So the first one here is, can you help me and my problem? It's really important that when someone presents to the practice, you're helping them as a person and also their biggest problem. As physios, we may see problems elsewhere that present, and unless it's the primary problem that they're presenting with or has some influence on it, then really, you know, we need to focus first and foremost on the patient's problem that they want help with first. Um, there's nothing worse than going to a health professional and, and just feeling like a number in a production line and a physio that keeps looking at their watch during a console or worse still, not even looking at the patient because they have a computer screen or an iPad in front of them that they're doing notes on. So it's really important in that can you help me that you make a connection with that patient and are really listening to what they have to tell you. So acknowledging a patient's problem with genuine care and having a real interest in their condition is all part of treatment. That's the treatment process starting right there. Someone telling you their problem and you listening, getting it off their chest. And this will determine if the patient remains in your care or if they move on to another professional. So you need to acknowledge them. Number two, tell me what is wrong with me. It's the age old question and for majority of new graduates, this is a question that really scares the pants off you because you're reluctant to commit to a diagnosis for a fear of being wrong. However, based on a good subjective and objective examination, you can come up with a diagnosis at that point in time with what you're presented with. If another therapist reviews that patient in a couple of weeks time and they don't feel it's the same diagnosis, so be it. At that point in time, when you had all the evidence sitting in front of you, this is what your diagnosis was. A lot of the time, the patient is telling you, pretty much painting the picture of their diagnosis. So you have to listen. Once again, it comes back to listening. Don't be afraid to commit to a diagnosis based on your assessment. You have all the skills and all the assessment skills from university training that has put you in the right position to make a diagnosis. You just have to be confident and commit. 
and it is vital to the patient's recovery that you have a diagnosis. If you don't have a diagnosis, fair enough. You refer on, you get further investigations and you work towards finding out that diagnosis for a patient. So how many patients do you ever hear say, I just wanna know what it is? So that's why I'm saying where it's, it's really important for that patient's treatment recovery to know what it is. Number three, am I in the right place? Do you know what you're doing? Being a graduate, this can be hard um, to build the confidence of your patient if they know you are a, a graduate, but you have to act very professional and um, reassure and educate the patient that they are in the correct hands, you know what you're doing, you've had four years of university training for this, you've had placements and you're the right person for the job. So you need to do this in a professional manner by having the confidence to educate the patient about their condition. It's vital to get them on board and get them to be compliant with what you want them to do. Most patients will say, no one has ever taken the time to explain it to me or what the problem is. So if you can do that part to the scenario and explain it to them in their terms so they can understand, you will have that patient like putty in your hands. Most of the time that's the first step. The first step to healing is they want to know. If you feel that the patient is beyond your scope of practice, then you make sure you refer on as necessary to help the patient find out what their source of the problem is like we've just discussed before. Number four, what will be the treatment I will get? How will you help me with your treatment? And what is your plan of attack? We're all humans by habit. We love routine, we love structure. So giving someone a plan of how you're going to achieve what they want is vital to their recovery. So what you should be doing is give a review or a summary of how you plan to tackle the rehabilitation. And that can be something briefly on paper before they leave after the initial consultation. So Mrs. Jones, I need to see you two to three times a week for the next two weeks. We'll reassess you, but it looks like then we will see you this many times and then we'll go from there if all's going to plan. If it's not, we'll reevaluate. Having a structure and a plan of attack is reassuring for a patient that they're in the right place for treatment and you know what you're doing. And you're not just gonna string them along all the time. They wanna know there's an end in sight for their treatment. Try and think like a recipe or rehabilitation protocol. I know we don't like that recipe word, but when you are a graduate, you need to start with those recipes until you have the expertise and the experience to come up with another way of thinking about it. So. Rehabilitation protocols have a timeline, they have goals that have to be met and achieved before you can progress to the next treatment. And they always have an endpoint of where you're heading so the patient has something to work towards. And that's how you should structure your advice and your plan of attack to a patient. Number five, what else do I need to do to get myself better? We all wanna create independent patients and at the beginning, that's hard when um, they're not sure where to start. They're looking for you for your expertise. So we ideally would like them to do some work at home themselves. And if they're motivated enough, then that's excellent. And it will only improve their care and their healing process. So explain to the patient what you should expect 
from your treatments and their role that they play in the rehab process for the expected outcomes in the shortest amount of time. So if you do, if you're saying to the patient, if you do this, then obviously we get ahead a lot quicker and I can progress treatment further. So patients really, um, really like to go home with something to do to take their own health into their own hands if they know it's going to benefit them and, and make things go a lot quicker. So create a good partnership with your patient early on about what's expected of you and what's expected of them. Number six, how long is it going to take? How long do I have to see you for? In this case, be realistic. Don't give false hope or expectations and don't put the pressure on yourself. Don't have a, a tendinopathy that you're saying to someone, I can, I can fix this in you know three to four weeks when it's been chronic for a long time. We know that that's not going to happen. You've just given false hope to the patient. You've put pressure on yourself that's not necessary. Stick to what you know, and if always, err on the side of more, more time than less time because you will always look like a better therapist if you can get them better sooner. Always give the worst case scenario because if you improve them in a shorter time frame, then you'll always look like a great therapist. But for the re reverse scenario, a patient will lose trust in your abilities if you've predicted a false timeline for recovery. Number seven, how often do I need to come and see you? Another question that graduates run away from. You need to offer the best possible treatment option from the beginning. You don't offer perhaps seeing them this week and seeing them in a fortnight and see how they go and if it's not going to plan well then we'll have to up the ante and we might see you weekly or twice weekly then when it's not going to plan. You don't do that scenario. You give them the best possible scenario first so they don't end up in trouble. So you see them the most amount of times first because otherwise as a patient I'd be saying well why didn't you do that in the first place. So the more you can get your hands on someone, the more you can monitor their exercise technique, the quicker the change will be. You cannot make an improvement in someone if you don't see them regularly enough. They've come to you for your help and your assistance. You are the motivator to rehab. If you don't see them regularly enough, a patient will lose momentum and fall off the rehab mode or rehab train. If someone cannot come to the amount of sessions you have requested for the condition, then they must realize it will take longer for recovery. So you have a structured plan that starts intensely and increases time between consults as goals have met. So for example, two times a week for six weeks, then all going to plan we will review weekly, fortnightly, monthly. If the patient can't make that commitment, then they have to understand that their process will be slower and their rehabilitation will be slower and they will have to see you for longer. That's just the nature of the game. You can't make it go any quicker if you're not able to see them. And remember with frequency of treatment, you give the absolute best. Treat everyone that you see like a family member, a friend, or even an elite athlete or a professional footballer. When they hurt themselves and they have a week to get back or two weeks to get back after an injury, the physiotherapist sees them every day, twice a day, very frequently and intensely to get them back to their goals. So there's no reason why you wouldn't treat um, anyone else that you see in the same way. They all, everyone has their own goals and potentially it may not be getting back to sport, but it may be getting back to work, which gives them their financial income. Eight, how much does it cost? As a therapist, this is not your concern. Direct the patient to the administration team to handle this question. You are a clinician and that is your field of expertise and what you've gone to uni for. 
The best way to handle this question is, it is best to speak to one of the receptionists out the front in regards to costings, and I will give you the amount of sessions that are necessary for your condition. Number nine, how will you treat me? How will you look after me? At the end of the day, a patient will keep coming back to you if you offer consistent traits in business. One, excellent customer service and deliver what you promise. Don't say that you'll write a letter to the doctor and then you don't do it. You need to deliver on what you promise. Number two, be treatment effective with all your techniques. Number three, a clear plan of action. And number four, have the patient's best interests and care at heart, as if you were treating a family member. Let them know they are in good hands and you will look after them. So these are the nine tips that must be answered in an initial consultation. So start implementing them today. If you would like to see the document of the nine points for an initial consultation, rather than taking notes, please go to the link, nine points that must be answered in an initial consultation, the PDF document. Thank you.